Welcome to the GMS Podcast, brought to you by GMS Distribution. GMS specializes in temporary portable power distribution equipment for the restoration contractor. I am your host and owner of GMS, Jared Steer, and today I will be talking to my friends. Hey, there we go. And we are recording. I am sitting here. I'm excited to have you on. It's been a while. I'm excited to be here. I've wanted to do this for a long time. I have... Rick McWiggin, boom, on the podcast, ready, ready to talk to us about all things, everything. Love it's it. pretty much what what we're gonna do. Love it. Well, why don't you uh, go ahead and do a little a little introduction on yourself, who you are, where we're at, and uh, let the listeners know a little bit about you. Absolutely, little little backstory. Um, like most of our restoration colleagues, uh, I started out in the cleaning business, primarily carpet cleaning business. So. Uh, Education background, high school, college, etc. I am a mechanical engineer, and I, I didn't know that I left that world because uh, I fell out of love with cubicle, sweet cubicle, and it, it didn't take very long. Um, but during high school, college, pushing the wand, all that good stuff, I had a good friend of mine. His father had a carpet cleaning company, um, kind of as a fill-in side business, and uh, one of my best friends, his son. And I kind of ran ran the business. We were the guys in the field. Okay. So uh, that company was started in 1989, and I've been pushing the wand since 91, 92. Um, fast forward to about, uh, let's see, 2005 is uh, when I bought out their interest in the company because I had, in, had an interest after leaving the engineering world. And How long were you doing the engineering? Not long. Okay. Uh, year and a half, two years. Uh, I had the advantage. Um having several internships and co-ops during the schooling period. So I learned kind of quickly that uh, I didn't like to be nailed down to uh, not only one income, but one place. Okay. Uh, I kind of have, uh, probably haven't been diagnosed, but I think I'm ADD. So <laughs> I, I don't like to be in one spot all the time. So part of my world is being able to see new stuff all the time. Hence the being able to help people in multiple di- different environments, seeing how they live, sure. what they do for a living. Um, I dig that. I get off on that kind of stuff to, to try to understand who our clients are. So, um, But, yeah, 2005, stepped into the restoration world, bought out their interest in a company because they didn't have an interest in moving forward okay. uh, beyond the cleaning portion. At that time, uh, my best friend was big in real estate. This is before the housing crash, so he was doing well with that. And his father had another company um, that was doing just fine. That was always supplemental. So. Um, here we are this many years later, so 31 years later, even though I haven't been the original owner, but uh, I've been a part of it been for a good it long for, time. Wow. Yeah, since I was a, a, a wee lad. Yeah. Yeah. And we are we're just south of Cleveland is yeah. where... We're southeast of Cleveland, well, almost due east of Cleveland, about 15 miles. Okay. Yep. Um, right on the lake. Uh, lake Erie is probably about a five-minute drive from here. Oh, okay. Yep. Oh, we're farther north than I thought we were. We are. Yep. Okay. Very cool. Well, how long have you, have you always been? Well, I guess for you, you've always been in Cleveland. Is that where you were born here? Born and raised. Yeah, three miles due east of here. Uh, we talked a little bit before we started recording. Um, so we used to have a building just a few miles down the road. Yeah. And uh, we were there for a good many years. I was a tenant, wanted to buy that building the day I moved into it. Um, ended up 
being able to buy it off my landlord a few years later. Okay. Um, right place, right time. The large corporation across the street, the Lubrizol Corporation, had interest in buying all the buildings on our side of the street. Yes, yeah, you were talking, they were expanding their headquarters. They or, were, yeah. yeah. Well, they actually just wanted an unobstructed view from the freeway to have green space. So, Oh, they, so they just tore it down. They did. They paid us a fair amount of money to plant grass. So, And that's cool. <laughs> hey, I'm good with it. <laughs> Whatever floats it. That works. Um, so we stepped over to where we are now. So there were uh, two 30,000 square foot buildings here, and then we put the 10,000 square foot addition on for Pine Ridge uh, about a couple of years ago. Okay. So until that happened, we we're living out of a proverbial commercial suitcase in one of our very small unit. So we went from 10,000 square feet to 2,500 square feet for a year and a half. So Oh, wow. Uh, it sucked. I'm not going to lie to you. So we were working on storage containers and everything else to try to store all of our equipment and, and, and do all that until the, the addition was built and finalized. Um, but, you know, those are the pains of growing, That's what I happens. Guess. That's yeah. it. Good problems to have. That's Yeah, I can, I can imagine, uh, yeah, going from 10,000, then down to 2,500. And then, and now coming, yeah. Yeah. And you were squeezed in. We had one of our tenants from our previous location living with us, too. So uh, to take that amount of material and add a tenant <laughs> to share space and uh, our admin staff at the time, we had three or four of us. And, uh, you know, now we've got this beautiful office here, but we were in a room in the size of where we are now, four guys. <laughs> You know, oh. screaming at each other and burping, and you you can imagine that you know <laughs> the lack of production that, that happened in an environment like that. But uh, so we're we're excited to be where we are now. I'll say again, you just took me on a tour of of your building. This is a really nice place. Thanks. I like it. I mean, yeah. I like it a lot. It's yeah. We uh, we we did a lot of research. We're big into energy efficiency and all that good stuff. Um, this particular structure, bang for the buck. Um, I've fallen out of love with masonry structures with flat roofs because flat roofs are not meant to last. <laughs> and with, with all the leaks, with the past buildings and the new buildings and all that stuff, I, we knew we wanted to put an addition up that was a steel structure. Okay. Um, you know, 412 pitch, things that I know they're going to last um, beyond my years. So, and I'm big on the energy part. So we got, you know, 49 in the ceilings and R25 in the walls, continuous blankets, um, all that good stuff. So, we're, we're excited to be here. We try to find the best builder for that type of structure, and then we did um, all the build-outs and finishes ourselves. So okay. all the underground, the concrete, the infrastructure was all there as part of the, the build-out, and then we did all the plumbing, all the electrical, all the build-out of the office, all the finishes, all the trim, all that good stuff. Sure. Uh, and that was fun. You know, it's just like building a house. Same growing pains as that, delays and timing, and can't wait to get in and all that good stuff. Yeah, and we were talking about that uh, a little earlier, too, just about – yeah, you get some, you get trades on a job and somebody runs over and then it pushes the whole project back yes. a little bit. If you don't have some days built in and, and for that to happen, yeah, then it's, Brother, it's kind you, of a snowball. You are not lying. One of our tenants <laughs> is a commercial electrician and uh, we had bartered with him to do a lot of the electrical for the space. And usually when you're a barter guy, it's... You're the last in line. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, right. We weren't necessarily a paying client other than uh, bartering for rent. So, you know, when he had guys available is when it got done. So right. it's, uh, but, you know, time, budget, life, growth, that's, that's, that's all part of it, man. So, it's part of it. Yeah. So now was, when, uh, when you took it over, was it, was it called Pine Ridge? It was too? Pine Ridge Carpet Cleaning at the time. Okay. So when you took it over, there was, you weren't doing any restoration work. Nope. It was all cleaning. Yep. And I had a thirst for it. Uh, okay. You know, it's uh, from my schooling background. I I appreciated uh, the science behind it. I still do. Uh, yeah. I see uh, those kind of projects and 
every mitigation job is, is a puzzle. And I see sure. very black and white in that world, even though you have to make shades of great decisions. But for me, it's uh, I, I still geek out on on how to put that puzzle together because every job's different. Every drying job's different. So at that time, yeah, it was just a primary cleaning business, carpet upholstery, tile grout, okay, all that good stuff. Um, made an income for ourselves, nothing like to, you know the level of service that we provide today. Um, so once we stepped into restoration, we did uh, emergency services first, uh, mitigation, small amount of mold work, and then we segued just a couple of years later into full-scale putback. So we do full-scale general contracting, remodeling, all that good stuff. Okay. So you got you got into it pretty quick and just, yeah, do all of it. Because there's so many people that seems like they stay on the mitigation side or and then never get into the putback side. Yes. But you kind of, you're both right away. Yeah, yeah, we, we stepped into it pretty quickly, um, not to the scale that we do now. You know, the amount of putbacks and stuff that we did back then is nothing like, uh, obviously, what we're doing now. Um, over the past five, six years, we brought a few guys onto our team that had uh, a great deal of experience with other restoration companies. Okay. Um, and that helped out a great deal in terms of uh, estimation of being able to settle the jobs, run them, foremans, project managers. Sure. They, they had all that experience, whereas before that, when we were a much smaller company, we were just the unicorn, you know, so <laughs> if I wasn't doing it, then it wasn't getting done. Uh, right. So we're getting to the point now where um, I'm able to step back a little bit and, and steer the ship, and that's that's a good feeling. So yeah, and it's the whole thing, working on the business, not in the business. Correct. You're Man, making I, that transition. I'm, I'm, I'm forever in that transition, brother. I'm telling you that right now. I, I, <laughs> I tell my wife every day, I'm like, I got to find a way to be able to still work on it because I'm still one of the primary estimators for the, the mitigation stuff. Okay. Um, and, and selfishly, it's because I still enjoy that. It's not, not a control thing, I don't think, um, but it's more of I, I like being the guy to be able to put those puzzles together. So, I like to be able to point fingers, tell them this is what we need to be done. This is what we determined was wet. Here's our drying goal. Here's this. Here's that. Develop a plan. Yeah. Um, we're in the process now of training our mitigation manager to take over my responsibilities of estimation, selling the job, put the clients at ease okay. uh, to, to do that whole process. And that, that's not as, as simple as it as it might seem. There's, there's a lot to know with uh, software training and um, not everybody is a, a sales guy, which is not to say that we have to sell anything that we do, because usually they, when they call, they need us. Right. That's a benefit, but they do have choices. So just like carpet cleaning, you know, anybody can dry a house, I suppose. So there is an element that um, outside of training and the service level that you, you provide, which obviously we think we're excellent at, is that you're still selling yourself. Yeah. Uh, they have to like you. You have to earn their trust. We're straight shooters. You know, we always tell our clients, I'm like, we're going to tell you the truth from minute one. You might not like it, but we're never going to mislead you. Okay. Um, and that's from the first consult to how to help them negotiate on their behalf with the insurance carrier, which we've stepped away from quite a bit, and we kind of leave that in their hands. We establish uh, pricing structure and, and, and estimating guideline, and we say, this is it. Um, we'll assist you in this, but once it's between you and the insurance adjuster, we're out of it. That wasn't always the case. A lot of guys that do a lot of TPA work, um, direct pay vendors, et cetera, you know, they're at the mercy of those insurance carriers. I, I'm not. We don't participate in any of them. Okay. Um, we did for a, for a short stint for a couple of years. Um, we were part of a couple of the big three programs, and uh, it was fine during those growth periods. And it's it's uh, it's not for everybody. After. Learning more about the the industry, especially over the past five years, we've learned that we don't need to answer to anybody but ourselves. 
Okay. Um, and that, that, that was uh, kind of a green light for us to, to really experience exponential growth and be able to provide next level uh, opportunities for our staff, you know, re- retirement and, and medical um, bonuses, commissions, all that good stuff. Um, that all came with it as soon as we realized we don't need to be part of that structure. So, okay, so TVA World, you're you're working for the insurance company. Mm-hmm. You leave that world, but now you have a lot more f- freedom yes. in your own company. Mm-hmm. But then also, your I guess I, I mean you're you're charging you're you're making your own price list. We are, and you've been able to afford, I guess more more in the company, make the make the life here better for yes. employees and 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 it's absolutely justifiable just based upon knowing our numbers. Uh, yeah. and, and I was one of the guys that admittedly didn't, you know, I, uh, I took Ben Justison's class, I think three times now. So we've gotten to be pretty good friends throughout <laughs> the years. Yeah. And, uh, if you know Ben and know him well, he's a straight shooter too. I, I usually get along real well with those guys cause there's, there's no fluff. This is who I am. Yeah. Um, so I learned a lot from him in that regard into how to know your numbers, how to justify your price lists trade by trade as a result of that. And just by doing that and being honest about it and clear, all that stuff stands up. So if we ever got into a situation where um, a carrier said that you're doing this, you're doing that, this is we only pay upon the standard price list or the average price list. It's like, well, I can actually prove based upon what we pay to this guy and this guy and this guy that everything that we do is legitimate and justified. Okay. Um, that's what a lot of people don't realize. They think you're just at the mercy of those numbers. It's like, no, it's it, it's up to you to figure out what your numbers need to be. And if you have an established margin that you need to hit for a goal, that's your right as a business owner to determine that. Nobody should tell you how much you are allowed to make or right. how little you're allowed to make, which is, you know, what a lot of guys deal with in the, in the TPA world. So it's basically just like a, a process of the job now. It's a, it's a different, I mean, it's a different process for you and how you interact with the customer. Yes. And... It takes longer this way. So in the past, it was, okay, we're, we're both using the Xactimate platform or whatever the estimating platform might be, and, you know, throwing the name brands in there, but the, they are the giant. Yeah. Um, you know, it, on the insurance end of things, they, they think it's the Bible. They think that this is it. So it's like, well, what do you mean you're charging more than what the list says? Um, we've needed to educate our clients on that. So that's the hardest part about our job now is to try to preemptively qualify that entire conversation up front. You know, ma'am, who's your insurance carrier? Um, Once we find out who that may or may not be, it might, the conversation may shift of based upon our experience, we might encounter this. Um, That that's just true. And that's the end all be all of it. It is up to the adjuster. So there are certain carriers that are known for being uh, not as fair as the others, but it ultimately comes down to the adjuster, of course. And in our experience, not every adjuster knows construction. Some of them just got out of college and they're handing a, handled, handed a checkbook with their estimating software and their laptop, and they couldn't tell you a tack hammer from a two-by-four. But they're the guys that are going to settle the, your loss, Jarrett. Yeah. And, and we have to educate the client, like, look, we're the expert. We're going we're gonna to negotiate this loss on your behalf. In other words, we'll be your figurehead. All we can do is negotiate our scope of work. What they come up with and what we come up with are probably going to be different, sometimes inherently different. So the amount of time that it takes to get these settled, where it used to be a different few years back before I kind of learned this, um, it's exponentially longer. Um, okay. At the end of the day, the client loses a little bit because it takes, it takes longer, but it's all about communication. So getting back to the straight shooter thing, as long as we tell the client, this is how it might go. 
Yeah. And then when they get their first estimate from the carrier and they get ours and they have questions and we have to help outline the differences, it's all about educating them all the way through the process because you can bet your booty that the adjuster is not going to take the time to go through it. They're just going to try to pit the, the contractor against the client, which happens a lot. It's it's unscrupulous, but it happens all the time. Okay. Now, do you see, I mean, is it the conversations that you're having with the with your customers, mm-hmm. is it, I mean, is it pretty straightforward? They they get it they, most of the time and they understand what's going on or? They, they do up front um, until you put the, the scope sheets in front of them or the estimates because it's, okay. it is a minutia of information. Um, people are used to saying how much to remodel my kitchen. Okay, 20 grand, 25 grand, whatever. In our world, we have to prove how we got there. So it's a line item business. So if it's a 25 grand kitchen, I'm going to give you an estimate that's got 140 line items. Okay. And they look at this and they go, I don't know what this means. Can you please help? And you have to explain to them that what we need to do in our world is we need to paint a picture for clarity for the insurance carrier that says, this is how we got to this number. Um, it's really confusing for a client that hasn't been through that before to understand what to do with those documents. They have no idea what how to interpret these. And, and again, the adjusters usually don't take the time to, to go through it and understand what it means. Yeah. Um, Detach, reset versus remove, replace, lineal foot of this, how much for a gallon of paint, all the pricing discrepancies, every, everything that we got to explain to them. Um, if we break it down, they understand. You know, Xactimate pays 35 bucks for a gallon of paint. And we'll tell them, if you go to Sherwin-Williams or whoever your, your favorite paint vendor is, how much is a quality gallon of paint? And it's, you know, 40, 50, 60 bucks, depending on which level of paint you get. You know, some have more solid than the other. And then the next question is, is how many times have you painted a room? Most people have painted something sometime in their life. Does it ever cover in one coat? (laughs) (laughs) Never. I don't care if it's the high-end stuff or the primer includer or any of that noise. And, And we've got documentation to support all that. But almost always a lot of these vendors will say, we're only paying one coat because that's what it's going to take to, to cover it. So they kind of, you kind of, yeah, when you're talking to the client, you just, they, they get the picture pretty quickly. They do. We, we, we have to break it down, and then we, we got to earn their trust. Well, uh, and they want their house put back the best, the best way it can be. And that's what they're insured for. That's yeah. what indemnification is. We don't owe them anything more from an insurance standpoint than what they have. They're, they're, they're insured for what they have, as good or better, same like kind and quality materials. Yeah. Now, if they've got a contractor-grade kitchen and and they want a high-end craft made or, or whatever, now that's going to be an extra conversation above and beyond. The insurance carrier doesn't owe them that. But if we're using this platform that says good, better, best, this, that, or the other, and we're comparing their good to our good, they're going to be different because the labor model is going to be different. Okay. Their carpenters and their, their program is going to be, you know, 16, 17, 18 bucks an hour. We won't let a carpenter into our customer's house for that amount of money because that's just a step above minimum wage. Um, the clients are, are owed more than that, especially if it's a high-end finish home. And this is what I always impress upon the insurance adjusters. I mean, if we're going to do stain-grade knotty alder, like there isn't a line item that says how much is knotty alder to have custom-milled three-and-a-quarter-inch this profile. It's like it has to be a bid item. You have to explain that to the adjuster. You have to explain it to the client. Every little minutia on these estimates take a long time. So the, the guys that do just the emergency stuff, I'm a little bit jealous of them. Because they don't have the, their turnaround for cash is a little bit quicker than ours. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, in order to be a, a, a reputable full-service company and to, to, 
to play the game, if you will, you, you have to offer that level of service for doing what we do in order to pay the employees that we do, that we have here. Um, but I do fantasize about being a, an emergency service guy only. I've, I've thought about it. it it's, it's been a discussion here once before. So in the, and I think this conversation kind of started from, from you getting an ESSER, training your, your project manager now to be an estimator. Because that's is that your main role in the field right it now? It is, yep. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, primarily the water guy. And uh, so from mitigation, it's easy for us to build a put-back scope after you've written the water because you can just duplicate it. And what, what you've taken out has to go back in and right. figure out your margins, how much additional waste you're going to need, et cetera. So I, I handle everything from the water mold side, usually for mitigation and repair. Um, anything that's wind, exterior, fire, smoke, um, any other incidental damages, vehicle damages, et cetera. Uh, my other estimator, Mike down the hall, handles all that stuff. And he's got okay. uh, greater experience than I do on, on that field, so we're happy to have him. When this in, and I heard I think this is the second time I've heard you say it, where you have, um, you know, you're basically getting the right person for the right job, but finding somebody that that has more experience or or can do it. What are some of the key roles that you've had to look for to I guess, help you help you grow, help you get to where you're at? Uh, good question. I I I think like most guys, I I've hired. Um, hired by accident. <laughs> so you use guys that you come into contact with, friend of a friend. Hey, I've got a water job coming up. Would you mind being a temp laborer for a day and helping us haul wet carpet and pad out of a basement if we're in cat mode? Um, a lot of the guys in the building started like that. Yeah. Um, might not be the best way to hire. And I've learned that throughout throughout the years. Okay. Uh, uh, we used to have family in the business. Um, that, that didn't bode too well in terms of level setting expectations and what's required and um, all that good conversation. So friends of friends is how we got here. Okay. Moving forward, it's it's trying to find the qualified contacts that we don't have a personal relationship with. Um, my wife has helped out a great deal with that. We just hired a, our new office manager. She's got uh, a career management firm, and she helped source out over 200 applicants, got down to the final four until we find the office manager replacement that we have now. We're, we're happy to have her. So oh, wow. uh, yeah. she's helped us sniff out a lot of the noise as it were because it's <laughs> it, it is true what they say it's hard to hire good people yeah absolutely hard and so you're using is it, is it your wife's firm is yes it, so that she is it's basically a hiring so you're 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 outsourcing the hiring process or how much for that how much portion, do they handle from from this portion forward my yeah my wife's firm will be ha- handling that so she she's got a career management firm where she does uh public speaking gigs, uh, certified okay. resume writing, um, corporate career coaching, um, sourcing applicants for jobs, um, personal coaching, all that good stuff. Uh, COVID has hit her, her company hard. Okay. You know, a, a lot of her bread and butter was uh, being a public speaker for large corporations, um, motivational speaking, think TED Talk yep. uh, on a corporate level. Um, so she's kind of had to rebrand herself um, and, and the image for her company. But yeah, she she did a great job in, in able to source uh, Caitlin for our office manager position, and going forward for any kind of growth thereafter, yeah, we're we're definitely going to use her company to to handle all that. It's it's saved us a great deal of hassle. Okay, very cool. Yeah, well, it seems like I mean, yeah, if you have two hundred applicants and then you narrow that down, I mean, that's because I, I guess I'm in that same position where it's just like friends of friends. Yep. Hey, who needs who needs some hours? Sure. Cool. Come on over. Um, but yeah, but if. I guess if you're, if you're trying to get to that, that next level or trying to, yeah, I mean, at some point you can only have so many of that, that employee. Now you need. And, you know, 
managers, you need leaders, you need... As you grow, you know, if, if, if you hire your buddy and there's a problem, well, it's your buddy. So the conversation's harder, right? <laughs> it is. It's like, different. Jarrett, listen, I, I got to talk to you about this, that, and the other, but you're my buddy that I just watched the football game with and we had beers with last night, but now we got to get down to brass tacks and talk about this, this, and this. And that conversation becomes a little bit different when you have that relationship versus mm-hmm. if you don't. Um, that relationship can grow through that employment, but in terms of kind of relying, you know, separating and drawing a line in the sand going forward, that's that's going to be kind of our model because it's it's not sustainable to just hire your buddies. It's right. just not. Yeah. As as you grow, you got to find the uh, the right the right people and not not just based upon warm network. Warm network's great. Referrals are your best for most things, not necessarily for employees. Right. Yeah. No, and I and I've experienced that too. I mean, with the with the family business, and you brought up a little bit of the family side. I mean, coming up through my dad's coming up through my dad's company while I was in high school, living with mom and dad. Yeah, there was that was a hard that was a hard line to judge and stay like. Yeah. Oh yeah. There were some dinners that were difficult. <laughs> I bet they were. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. So it is. It is. It's hard to it's hard to maneuver that. And I see my brother. Um, doing it with my dad's company now and uh and yeah it's it's just it's an interesting dynamic where yeah you have to you still have to go to thanksgiving dinner but you got to hash some things out over over work also you, you do and it, it it's easier said than done those conversations to have with those guys are going to be harder than the guy that you hired just to do the job you yeah. know because it's it's more black and white and it's more straightforward and just business versus business and personal yeah um we're getting better at it but like all things with growth, you, there there are life lessons that you, you can't learn until you experience them. Sure. So that's where we're at, especially with our, our growth over the past several years. It's uh, it's difficult to to be able to sustain that kind of growth until you get all the new people in place that you, you might source from some other place instead of just warm network, family, friends, all that good stuff. Yeah. A lot of the guys in the building that, that, that are family friends are exponentially beneficial, and they've got a, a, a ton of experience, but it doesn't mean that their friends are friends and everybody who's available that needs work are the best people to say, hey, Pine Ridge has... It gets a, messy. Know, yeah, it does. It, yeah. It, it's, 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 it's a trickle-down thing where... Or potentially. It's potentially messy. It's just harder to fix problems. Yeah. You know, and it's uh, the bigger we get, we we need to make it easier to solve the problems, not harder. So and th- those are easy to solve if, if we make concrete and clear decisions to our the way that we operate and our standard operating procedures and what's in our handbook going forward than it is to how we got here. Yeah. You know. Now, what is it about, because I know we're talking about working in the business, working on the business. What is it about your, will you ever be out of the truck 100% or do, like, what do you like about being in the truck? Uh, good question. Uh, I, I love being in the truck. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I love working with the paws, man. If I like getting my hands dirty. I like using my brain. I like solving the problems. Um, at heart, yes, it's a profitable business, but I do like helping people. Yeah. Poof. I know that seems like a novel thing, but <laughs> I, I, I do really enjoy that. I, li- I like putting the clients at ease, be like, we're here to help. That's what you hired us for. We're here to help. Um, that's the part that I would miss if I was completely out of the field. But the truth is, is unless I'm in front of these computer screens where I can focus on management, marketing, relationships, numbers, um, this is where our growth happened is when I spent more time in the seat and less time in the truck. Yeah. Um, that's a hard reality because I would rather be out there all day. You know, I, 
to sit here. I, I get twitchy. I, I, can't, <laughs> I, I have to walk around the shop. My guys laugh at me. If I take a business phone call, I'll take my cell phone and put my noise-canceling headphones on, and I'll do laps in the warehouse. So oh, I just can't way. sit here. Yeah. I, I, I have a hard time just sitting here because I get jumpy. You know, it's, I think moving around helps me spur my thoughts and my conversation, and it's um, being a static office guy, and, you know, it, it doesn't help with the uh, <laughs> the stomach prosperity. <laughs> so, you know, you get my steps in and all that good stuff. But unless I'm in front of this computer screen, we're not gonna we're not gonna grow exponentially. But I I don't know if I'll ever be truly out of the truck because I do like that relationship, FaceTime with the clients. Yeah. Um, even if it's not getting my hands dirty, I like talking to people. Um, like learning about who they are, how they got to where they are, seeing how they live, what they're into. Yeah, um, that kind of stuff is why I got out of the cubicle, sweet cubicle, because I can I can do that. I can see a different place every day. I can meet new people every day instead of seeing the same old, same colored walls, the same faces. You know, I I starve an environment like that. So I don't think I'll ever be truly out of it to where to the point where I can't be in front of a customer, at least talking to them and shaking their hand and saying we're here to help. Yeah. So I think that was one of the. I mean, even for me, when I first started my company. I mean, if you if you bought a power box, it's because I talked to you, educated you on it, and then and then we you know we did a transaction, and then I was there for support. I mean, every single one. Uh, where then once I got distribution, it was like, no, 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 you stop talking to everyone and you just go to your shop. And I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do in here? <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I need to. Well, which is which is one of the great things about this podcast too. I mean, this is another way for me to. I gotta have some social interaction with somebody doing something like. I have to. I, do I, I too. just have to. I suffocate. I absolutely suffocate in, in just an office environment. I can't do just that. Yeah. You know, are we positioned for success if I do? Sure. So it's it's learning that balance. I'm getting better at it. Um, I know I need to delegate more, but that's uh, relinquishing control, which is <laughs> which which is a, a difficult thing for any owner operator. But with growth, you realize that you have to do it. You have to. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, we've gotten better at it. We learned a lot of lessons, some the hard way. Now, who so on the on that business side? Are there any other resources that you're using to help kind of facilitate that growth? Or so that I mean, there's, there's definitely learning from experiences and and learning lessons, but there's also something about where if you can find the right person, they can maneuver a lot of those for you, and you don't have to learn them the hard way. Oh, sure. Um, a, a lot of it's relationships. Going to these seminars, um, FaceTime, meet, meeting different marketing guys. Um, exponential education opportunities just from speaking from other restoration guys finding out what they're pure, doing pure yes absolutely conversation um one of my very good friends brian Merrin from unflooded in pittsburgh yep. we talk to each other probably several times a week okay we bounce ideas off of each other he's an emergency services company only mitigation mold um but we bounce ideas off each other all the time Okay. And, and I think those kind of relationships are exponentially important. And without having those conversations, and that's why we miss it so much with COVID, not being able to go to these summits and such, um, th- they're super important. Um, who do you use for marketing? Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. Who's your pay-per-click guy? Who's your SEO guy? Yeah. Um, who does your social media? Is it worth it? Do you do it yourself? You know, different conversational topics, uh, you know, outside of just the, the infrastructure of hiring and putting the right people in place. It's, it's developing systems for how do you get the phone to ring? You know, I'm, I was an engineer in a past life. I, I I wasn't just a business owner operator to understand how that all works. And once you dive into the minutia and you can say, Oh, if I put dollars here and that makes a phone ring, that's one thing. Now, how do I make that turn into a sale? And that's a internal thing. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, where I would try to get advice from other people. Um, well, and there's so many options. If you're just trying to do it on your own, it's like, well, here's four, here's here's forty ways to make the phone ring. Well, which one's the best, and which one's cost effective, and which one? I mean, yeah, trying to uh, oh yeah maneuver all those all those options and pick one. No, I. I'm super humble when it comes to that. I, you know, they say don't be the smartest guy in the room. That is so important. That is so you have to latch on to somebody that's smarter. It's easy for you. (laughs) (laughs) See what you did there. (laughs) Boom. No, no, I, uh, I 100% agree. I've heard it where if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm totally humble when it comes to that, man. You know, and I, I, I tell people my faults and, and where we fail because I, I think that's part of the education. That's part of the ride. It's like, here's what I did that didn't work. I would love to tell you what worked. That's great. But let me tell you how I got to this decision of here's what I need to fix because I had to fail somewhere to find out how we got here. Yeah. Throwing bad money at good money. That happens a lot, especially in the marketing world, um, trying to find the right team. Um, that really knows what we do, not the guy that just says, we'll get you on the front page of Google. Oh, yeah. You know, it's uh, there, there's so many cold calls on marketing, especially nowadays with the spam emails and all that noise. I was going to say, the spam emails are, <sighs> oh, my gosh. It's just constant. It's noise, man, and, it, and it's really hard to uh, filter out the professionals. So fortunately for us in our world, in this restoration ecosystem, there, there are guys that have had experience in the restoration world, having restoration businesses of themselves, and then they segued into the, the marketing standpoint. So they understand yeah. our needs and how to market and position our companies, whereas a guy that's just, I'll get you on the Google number one spot, doesn't. You know, he may understand right. algorithms and keywords and negotiate the best rate for which keyword will convert, blah, blah, blah. Um, but a lot of it's relationships, and, and those connections came from all those kind of industry events and really the peer stuff, super important. Yeah. The peer stuff. Well, I can see that because everybody's, I mean, it, kind of at the end of the day, everybody's doing the same thing. Now there's people doing it on different levels based on how much money you're doing a year and things are going to change in that sense. But yeah, I mean, if you can find the same peers on the same level, no one's really in direct competition with each other. You're all in different cities anyway. So I mean, as far as like trade secrets or anything, yeah, you can. No, that, it, that, that's good comment. Um, the there's enough for work to go around for everybody. Yeah. And there there are some contractors, some restoration companies, even in our own backyard, that still don't believe that. Um, I've never subscribed to that. I just don't. I figure you're, you're just better off being an ally. It, I'm not going to take your business. If, if they're Googling something and my name comes up, I'm not taking business away from you. They called us, not you. Yeah. You know, let's let's draw the line in the sand. Let's let's quit with this petty stuff. I don't care how much your company grosses. It, it doesn't matter to me. It's more about the relationship is, hey, Rick, if, if, if we're out of air movers, can we rely on you to, to rent or loan some out? Um, if, if we're short on staff, do you mind helping us out by helping his client over the weekend because we, we're going on vacation and this guy's out sick? And yeah. Those kind of relationships are exponentially important. There are guys that just don't want to subscribe to that you know, still, and, and I think that's, that's tragic. I think it's selfish. Um, it's, it's not how we're wired. It's not how we roll. Um, the, the numbers to me are, are just numbers. And it, if I'm in a room full of peers and I, I, I meet the one guy that immediately tells me how much he's grossing per year before understanding what he does, I know who he is. Yeah, That's the guy that's, that's going to be my competition that instead of being my friend or our ally. Yeah. Um, there's, there's still a lot of differences in this world. 
um, when it comes to that in our ecosystem. But the social media stuff, the the different groups that are out there to, to help tie things together, they're great too. Um, they've also done a great job of expanding drama where, where it doesn't need to exist. <laughs> um, so it's, you know, take what you need, leave the rest. Yeah. So that's that's who we are. So now if you found, I mean, Cleveland's a big market. Yes. How many? How many people? Or what's the what's it, what is the market up here? Man, I'd be a liar if I if I knew that number. Um, the The only thing that I can tell you from a geographic standpoint is that the guys that market in Columbus have a little leg up on us because we are right on the lake. We legitimately have a semicircle of you've, people you've to market half a to. City. Yeah, because I can't market to Canada. That's just not efficient. Or <laughs> the guy fishing in the middle of the lake. <laughs> so, what we what our Challenge has been, especially with um, going through a few different marketing companies, is explaining to them. I said it, it can't just be this semicircle. Um, it's just not that simple because half of our market is taken away because of our location. So we have to paint points along the map over this five, six county area that says anywhere between this semi octagon or whatever you might want to call it. Yeah. Um, instead of just saying, how far will you travel? I'm like, those are very generic questions. I'm like, I, I don't know. Is it a $300 carpet cleaning job or is it a $5,000 mitt? Right. Those, those are two different answers. Um, so navigating those waters and trying to understand what's the best way to market to our market is a little more challenging than somebody that has a full circle of people to deal with from, from a radius perspective. Sure. That's, sure. that's no, always that been sense. difficult for us. Yeah, I could see that, especially with, I mean, we're five miles from the lake. So when yep. you're, yeah, you're right on the diameter of this circle. Yes. Yep. And, you know, we, due east, southeast of here, it's largely rural. Okay. Um, there's some larger per capita developments out there. There's also some shanties and farm country. Um, so in terms of trying to target market and where we think we should put our dollars that's that's been a, a learning curve and i've had to rely on some of the people that that we use to do our, our marketing um to find the best solution because it's it's not just cut and dry it's not just snapping a radius and say i want to put my money there right who are we marketing to you know is 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 the farmer that makes x amount of dollars per year a client he might be sometimes they're our best clients <laughs> the the ones that are that, that make exponentially more can sometimes be way worse to deal with and so you know, there, there's all kinds of uh, all kinds of clients that that we try to market to. But in terms of trying to target just a radius and and who who we're going to throw dollars at to to make this phone ring and try to convert it to a sale, we found that to be a little more difficult based upon our location. Okay. Um, well, and I guess what I was what I was kind of getting at is like the the size of the market. Are there any companies up here that that you have found that are allies that you that you were able to Oh, sure. Kind of for, you know, partner with and, and well, work sure. together. Yeah, Service Masters, three miles down the road. Okay. Uh, we're, we're good friends with them. Um, anytime there's, a, there's an issue, we pick up the phone if they, if they need equipment, whatever the case might be. Um, there's a, a smaller firm, water extraction team, the Keller family, just down the road. Um, we throw business back and forth if they're in need, if we're in need, equipment, help, resources. Um, we're we're big on that. We we don't have a ton of relationships with a lot of franchise guys because we're not a franchise company. Okay. We're we we're family owned and operated, and we have that family owned and operated feel, even though some franchises are. Right. Um. But we just feel that's usually our a, a better network to share resources with. Yeah. In our experience, anyway. Now, are you guys traveling at all, or are you pretty much staying? 
staying we, home. We stay. Uh, there, there's plenty of work here for us. Okay. Um, we do participate in sewer work in the city of Cincinnati. Okay. Um, so you're familiar with uh, Ohio Valley Restoration, yep. Mike, Mike Terrell and OVR Supply. Um, great people down there. We've been friends with them for a long, long time. Um, they do work with the city of Cincinnati as a result of systemic sewer flooding. So the, the quick story is the city of Cincinnati was involved in some sort of a class action for um, not keeping the sewer systems up to date in certain parts of the city. Okay. Fast forward, anytime there's a, a rain event um, where some of these developments haven't been updated for the infrastructure to keep up with the growth, which happens in a lot of cities, they flood. So he needs to have so many certified restoration contractors on the ground with a certain window of time, depending on how many calls they get, um, to help with those damages. Okay. So that you're would, on that list. We are on that list. Uh, that, that'd be one of the uh, few things that we, I would say that, that would make us uh, a storm company, you know, but... To, to go down to the coast and hurricane, and uh, we're not sized for that. I don't know that we ever will be. Okay. Um, I think we're comfortable with, with staying local and being with our families. That works hard Yeah. Um, to be away that long. Um, there's a lot of other variables. Oh, yeah. You know, state licensure, um, all, all the red tape that comes with it. We try to keep it pretty clean, so all the work that we do is inside the state of Ohio, but basically northeast Ohio, greater Cleveland market, and then Cincinnati two, three times a year. Okay. Yeah. Oh, very cool. What's kind of a what's kind of a job that has stood? What stands out to you if you look at your 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 long career with Pine Ridge? Is there any is there any job that stands out? Yeah, yeah. Best you, of the best, the worst it. of the worst. Oh, we do. <laughs> we reference it often. So we had the good pleasure when we were down in Cincinnati of having their worst job ever. Okay. So being part of that program, we have to go down there. We have to be insurance adjuster. So they don't have the boots on the ground, so we have to go in there. We have to mitigate. We have to inventory their contents, the go pile, the stay pile, what they're intending on keeping, even if we told them that it should not, based upon the standard and the contamination of the Category 3 water and yada, yada, yada. Okay. Um, very time-consuming. Basements are where things go to die. <laughs> we, say, <laughs> we say that a lot in our world. So on a, on a sewer backup, some of these basement mitigation jobs can sometimes be challenging. So this particular guy was a scrap metal hoarder. There's no other politically correct way to say this. A he, scrap metal hoarder. He worked at a scrapyard. Okay. And he would buy the materials off the owner of that scrapyard or pilfer it. I don't know how he got all this into his house. <laughs> but And he would hold on to it until the market would change. So if, okay. if yeah. iron is two or three cents a pound right now, or if copper is a little higher, you know, so he would watch the market, and but he would never sell it or trade it in. He would just hoard it. So this guy, entire basement, this is not a big house. I'm talking 25 feet by 25 feet square. Okay. Filled to the ceiling, eight foot common, seven and a half feet to the bottom of the joist, whatever that looks like, floor to ceiling, five-gallon buckets full of iron Copper. I'm talking heavy contents. Naturally, he oh, didn't yeah. want to throw away anything. It's impervious to absorption. Can it be cleaned? Sure. In the interest of what time frame, though, we have all these people that need our help. And we're down there to, uh, quite truthfully, make hay while the sun shines and try to help as many people in the shortest p amount of time possible. Right. So his entire side yard, this was six or seven feet of river water. That had backed up. I think uh, the municipal sewer district has since demolished his house. They offered him a cash settlement to make him go away because they were tired of paying these claims for him. 
but floor to ceiling, five gallon buckets full of Cat 2, Cat 3, sludge, sediment, iron, carpet, the heaviest contents full of sewage that you can imagine, floor to ceiling. It took us, I think, six hours to get the overhead garage door open because it's, it's one of these houses that has the uh, the driveway and the garage subterranean, which yeah. a lot of them down in Cincinnati are like that, which blows my mind because it's water <laughs> damage nightmare. Brilliant. <laughs> it goes against yeah. physics. Um, it, it took us four or five hours with many men just to be able to climb over all the contents on the inside of the house, be able to pull that stuff away just to get the overhead door up and over so we can start humping some of this stuff out. We had, I think, 105 man hours of just contents manipulation, not even cleaning, just pack out, just getting it out into the man hours. It got to the point where we had to just make an agreement with the guy say, we're going to have to come back. We have other people that need our help. We're going to have to come back after at the end of sure. tomorrow's shift and, and, and just piecework this. Um, the city and their inspectors, the sewer district, they weren't pleased with this guy, I guess, um, the more they learned about it, he had had similar floods in the past, and he had been compensated for these lost contents already, and he just put them all back in. Um, so gotcha. he was taken off of the we will help you list, and I think they actually made a settlement to um, make him go away, to, 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 to buy his house and demolish it. That was that was the worst ever from, from a hoarding and contents perspective. Before we can even mitigate, before we st- talked about extraction, cleaning, we had to navigate all those heavy contents. I'll send you the Dropbox file maybe sometime soon. It, 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 it'll blow you away. That's crazy. Horrible. Horrible. It's, uh, you know, that's that's the beauty about this business. You can see how some people live and some people don't live a, a clean and healthy lifestyle. Yeah. His, his main level wasn't as, as awesome either. So, I mean, the guys needed to use the restroom and we had to navigate our through up there. And, boy, it was it was rough. So, thank God for PPE. When I just, I just know, I mean, in our shop, we throw the extra, the scrap copper into a five-gallon bucket. Mm-hmm. That gets, it gets heavy. Heck yeah. And that's <laughs> copper. I, I think, yeah. Like, so you're saying floor to ceiling, five-gallon buckets full. I'm going, He He had oh balls of gosh. steel. So you know how sometimes they can wreck cars and make them go into like a three-cubic-foot yes. square? Yeah. He had these heavy, heavy, I don't know, they, they, they look like basketballs. And they were just iron slugs. It, 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 they had to be uh, 100 pounds each. And he had buckets of them. Buckets and buckets of these iron balls of, you know, like melted iron that, that somebody had turned That's... in and they melted it and they set it aside and they waited for iron to go out. I don't know. It was, whoo. <laughs> not, not one we'd, we like to remember, but, but we, we bring it off, bring it up often. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's, the, it's forever known the with, the, with the network of guys down there that help with those catastrophic events down in Cincy that that uh, we're the lucky ones. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't turn them down. You can't say, mm, can, Yeah, that was kind of like my next question was, it's, it's yours. No, we're, we're there to help. You, you don't get to pick and choose. You, you are distributed a list. Yeah. In terms of trying to schedule them, you have some flexibility for that geographically, whatever that looks like, based upon when the client's available, if they're home or not. Um, but no, we you cannot walk away. Once we're on it, we were married to it. Yeah, it was like good times, good times. <laughs> oh my gosh! Now how? Okay, let me. How do I want to? How do I want to switch into this? So. I've been trying. It's almost Christmas time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it feels like Christmas to you, Mm-mm. 
It does not feel like Christmas to me at all. And mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know if it's been the year. I don't know what I don't know what it is, but it just does not it is. I think it's the mask going to buy Christmas presents that I have to wear. I don't know. It just doesn't feel. Everything's weird. It's we're, weird. 2020 is weird, man. You know, it's uh, we're robbed of so much social interaction. So even being able to do this with you in person, it's like I was so excited. I'm like, I get to have FaceTime with Jared. This is so awesome. <laughs> I'm like, I thought you were just going to call me. That's so cool that you're in town to do this. So I, I well, I mean, and I was as excited. I mean, I've, I love getting together with people and seeing people. So yeah, this is when you told me that you were available. I was like, oh yes, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm coming up there. Say, yeah, I told you, I'm, I'm making the time for you, brother. We're gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you know, for me, like the, the outside Christmas lights and stuff. Like I didn't, I didn't even have time uh, for that this year uh, with business and otherwise a lot of other goings on. I can't blame that on COVID. Other than we've been busy, but I'm. I'm the Clark Griswold of like exterior illumination. So I, you know, I, I got that from my father. He was, you know, every light bulb has to be straight, and the people that have crooked lights on their house, it, it makes me makes me twitch a little bit. You'd go so, over there at night. And oh fix yeah, them. I, fix the one light bulb. Get out the ladder to fix the one <laughs> light bulb that's out. That's me. Yeah, born this way. <laughs> so how, now, how many GMS power boxes do you use to power up the lights on the house? Ooh, good question. None since they're LED. But good comment. <laughs> oh, we have LED. <laughs> LED just. I could get business. it all on a twenty amp circuit now, man. It's it's amazing. <laughs> I do run twelve gauge extension cords though. Yellow, of course. Good. Yes. Do that. Yes. Yeah. So I mean. It, the Christmas feeling, I'm right there with you. Um, my kids are 9 and 11, almost 10 and 12. Okay. Um, we just kind of dropped the bomb on them that Santa isn't real. And by dropping the bomb on them, we just let them know that there's no such thing as Santa and they already knew and they were just trying to keep the secret to make us feel cool. Yeah. <laughs> that, that transition. So yes. we, we finally got through that. But, uh, you know, in terms of like buying all of our presents on Amazon – um, instead of going out and shopping yeah. and, and feeling that hustle and, and that that's all missing. Um, the only thing that I would say that's, that's going to be kind of cool is that at least they'll know now that, hey, these gifts are from mom and dad instead of Santa, which they knew anyway. <laughs> Getting the know, credit now. Yeah, they're slow playing us, man. I'm telling <laughs> you that right now. So, yeah, man, it's it, it's weird. I, I miss the social interaction. Um you know, going to see shows or sporting events. Man, I miss baseball. Oh, the sporting events. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, e- e- even to watch a, a football game on, that's that's on TV, NCAA, I'm a diehard Buckeyes fan. And, you know, their cancellations and, oh, just, it's a nightmare. Now, I, we usually go to, so we, me and my wife love sports. Um, and we usually go to a couple of professional games somewhere, especially if I'm traveling. If I'm traveling, I usually look to see if, if I have some time in a city to see who's playing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even... I may not even be a fan, but I'll just go, you know, I'll just I'll just go watch the Marlins play from yeah. town. Cool. Um, so that's been that's been different this year. But then also one of my favorite things, and I want to get back to Christmas. I didn't forget about Christmas, but um, one of my favorite things is just to go check out a high school game on Friday nights. Mm-hmm. I might be I might be in a city where I I just I just Google like high school near me and just see if and I'll just go. That's and I'll just cool. Go and I'll just watch a high school football game. That's and, cool. And so I've missed I've missed that. But then also we just moved to Seattle, mm-hmm. and I was excited to like kind of find the local high school, and and I was really looking forward to it. And yeah, that season done. We didn't get to do any of that. So I've I've really missed that. 
That was like my Friday night is is high school football. That's great that you support that kind of thing, man. That's pretty rare. Usually it's just, you know, my kid plays for this team and this is who we're going to support while my kids are in school. Yeah. So the fact that you can support something like that, that's great. I think it's fun. It's just fun Heck to yeah, watch. Man. Well, my son, my son was, I mean, he played football. Um, well, he did travel football, so we were watching football year-round. I mean, going with him to places. And then my wife's dad is a high school football coach, so we're always, you know, if we're we're – we're at a high school game just supporting him and his team. And, yeah, high school football has been a big, big part of my life for years. And I still just – I miss – I mean, I I miss it, but now COVID's like, no, now you can't even have it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, – we're not alone. You know what I mean? Who, who hasn't dealt with, with something? And, oh, yeah. Know, maybe in six months we'll be past this, knock on – Something that's lumber. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, yeah, it's it's exhausting. Well, okay, so getting back to Christmas, what about a Christmas story that stands out? Because it sounds like you're pretty, on a normal year, into Christmas, and then you got the little kids. Yes. That's always fun. What is, what is something? And then even with uh, with your work and employees, I know one of my favorite things was like, is the, uh, there's like employee Christmas dinner, doing yeah. something like that, and just getting people together. And Yeah, so. What, uh, uh, yeah. It, any traditions or any anything going on for Christmas? Yeah, Christmas um, from my childhood growing up. So you know when people say don't make it a, a material thing, and you know let's let's make it about the season, and it's all about Jesus and Happy Birthday and all yeah. that. We were the antithesis of that. <laughs> we were, we we were the disgusting amount of material capitalism underneath that Christmas tree that you've ever seen. Um, you know, my, my father was an engineer and, uh, I'm one of five kids and, uh, I wouldn't say we had it all, but we didn't want for much, you know, okay. I, yeah. it, my, my parents were amazing people. Um, so I've, I've kind of spoiled my kids in the same right. Um, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but they're great kids. They're, they're way better behaved than I was when I was their age. They have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like they deserve it. It makes my yeah. wife crazy because she had a, a, a different understanding of, of the holiday. And then when we started dating and, you know, talking about how many presents we should buy for Matthew or how many presents we should buy. Well, they each have four. I'm like, four? I'm like, it's not their birthdays. This is Christmas. <laughs> it's not their birthdays. <laughs> I'm like you got the card, you got the the opening <laughs> present, the stocking stuffer. Four, you, you can't you can't fill a stocking with four. <laughs> so we were that guy. So it, you know, from the whole Santa thing, like for us, the from my childhood and in, in raising our kids, the the magic and the awe in their face of when they see that surprise was was that that's that's the holiday for me, right yeah. or wrong, for yeah. for what it is. But uh, yeah. Were, were those guys. <laughs> um, in terms of Christmas uh, parties for the staff, we usually will uh, have a nice dinner out at a, a fancy restaurant right on a private room. Okay. Um, and that's where we'll um, have some Christmas cheer, Uber to and from, yeah. have a great dinner, um, hand out the Christmas bonuses, tell some lies and laugh. Um, this year we don't have that opportunity. We've we've talked about it and how we can do it responsibly and um, just with the amount of people, it just doesn't make sense. Sure. Um, so we talked about maybe doing a, just a, a catered responsible lunch in, in the office or the warehouse and, you know, get out some cornhole boards in a shop or, or whatever. Okay. Um, so we'll probably do something like that next week. So it's way lower key, totally different than normal. Um, but, you know, recognizing that they're part of the team and, this is the time of year when, when we recognize that and we get back to them because we cannot do it without them. Right. That's big, big for us. No, I think that's, I mean, that's always an important, I don't, I don't know, that's always something that, like, 
I feel like I've understood, and I don't think not everybody does, but it's like you're only to me like I'm only where I'm at because of the guys that are mm-hmm. that are helping me. Yes, you know I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I, I'm I'm having a lot of help to to get the things on the you know that that are getting done. Um, but just to have those, I, I guess there was. I'm trying to think what book it was that I read. It might have been it might have been a Dave Ramsey book, I think. But it was you don't ever like no one's an employee. He just has team members. Yep. And and I do feel and I and I know because I've I've worked for him or I know him. People have employees, mm-hmm. and I just never I never understood it. I always just want to have team members. Yeah, we're we're big on that. We don't have titles on our cards. Oh, interesting. Not one of us. We don't need to be the estimator or the chief bottle washer or the technician or this or that. It's our name. It's our direct line, which rings our cell phones, and it's the main line in our email. Um, that's we, really interesting. We rule by committee, and, and that, that's that's part of our mantra. So if one guy isn't um, doing his part, I rely on the other staff members to help nudge them along before I get involved because that's okay. important. Um, and I got that little nugget from a friend of mine that, that owns a few bar and restaurant grills that uh, most of his wait staff does rule by committee, which means they split tips. Okay. So how good of a job I do for your table versus this, this table and this table, if one guy isn't picking up the slack, then everybody's going to suffer monetarily. So it's up to the other servers in their environment to say, hey, man, step it up or, or ship out before yeah. the management or the ownership gets involved. I think that's brilliant. I think more companies should operate like that. We're trying to implement more things like that here. So instead of just going to the office manager and talking about a dispute or discrepancy or an inequity or this guy's not working as hard as this guy for this, this, and this, and um, all those fires that we got to put out and drama. And eliminates it, a lot of that. It eliminates a lot of that. Yeah. Um, we're, we're talking a lot about a lot of that in our team meetings about self-manage, solve your problems, you know, save your drama for your mama. That's important. We're, we're in it to win Save it here. Save your drama for your mom. <laughs> you know, try to try to leave it at home. If it's if it's a small problem, let's leave it a small problem. Yeah. You know, then if if it becomes a bigger problem, come to us. And we'll we'll address it. So, yeah, that that's a big deal for us. No titles on the cards. We don't we don't go that way. I really like that. I haven't heard I haven't heard that approach before, but no one guy's more I know important. I really than like next. it. You know that the office manager and her responsibility. She's not necessarily in the field. Um, she will be. She's new yeah. uh, to try to learn a little more of, of what we're doing here. But uh, we're not above the work. So it, it seems like you know you put those titles on someone and it almost like like this is this is my bubble now. Correct. And now nothing else is. This is mine. Yeah. We're, and it's like no. It's everything's everything's everyone's. Like we all come in, we get stuff done. Yeah. It shouldn't be. I I set this stuff down in the warehouse. It's up to the underlings to to put it away. No, no, no. It's up to the guy that set it there because yeah. your job isn't done. Yeah. So we're big on trying to solve those problems um, in, in terms of trying to level that playing field. Playing field that's hard. Our, the payroll company that we have, they, they have a, a human resources component to what they do, and they want us to create job descriptions. So, Jarrett, what do you do on a day-to-day basis? Let me write this down so we can create a job description for you. Mike, what do you do? Joe, what do you do? And yeah. on and on and on. The problem I have with that is just that. It's like it. So you're you're putting them in a box. Yeah. You know, and that's that, that. I think that's a big problem with the the labor in this world. That that's not my job. You know, and it's it's like, come on, man. Oh, don't say that to me. <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> don't say that to me. <laughs> get it done. Yeah. Just j- just get it done. That's what we're here to do. Solve yeah. the problem. Let's be efficient so we can move on to the next one. It's, it's simple. 
It, it, it is. should be. It should be. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It should be. Well, we are we're close on time, and I'm I appreciate the time you spent with me today. Thank you for for having me come in and show me around your place, and and thanks for the support to you. You are one of the. I mean, how long have you been using our power our power distribution? Man, a long time. I mean, you were one of the first ones. Yes, a long time. So, well, because you brought. I'm sorry, to cut you off, but you brought up uh, OVR. Yes, OVR was the very first distributor that picked up my products. Yep. So I'm. So I mean, you were. I had it way back when. So yeah, I, we had your your early models that had the uh, um, the ones that had the four independent breakers and the. The, oh my, the, yeah, that's way back. The, the first yeah. uh, the first plastic molded case was different than the ones you use now, and then I know you're like three or four generations later. But no, we were an early adopter. You know, we used to use the other brand. Yeah. Um, some of the metal boxes that have the uh, separate ground wire attachment that we've talked about. We've that talk, is we've a talk, major don't hazard. Use that. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so no, we're big proponents of your product, and I can't say enough about you and your operation to help this industry. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. One last question, though. You got two kids. Mm-hmm. You said nine, nine and eleven. Yep. What What is the Christmas presents for? I'm sure. I'm sure they don't listen to the GMS podcast. We're not going to get yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, no secrets. <laughs> but what is what is the big what are the big asks from them this year for Christmas? Matthew wants a Nintendo Switch. Okay. Um, we're big on trying to curb the sit in front of a, a computer or a video game and die kind of a thing. So yeah. Um, so we're caving and getting them that. We feel like that's the most responsible thing. So he's not doing at least the military shoot 'em up nonsense. But was well, and yeah, I'm not I'm not familiar with it. What is the I'm Nintendo not either. Sw- I guess it's more of a, a a mobile product that's more like family friendly friendly with the the Mario Brothers and this and that. The and, Nintendo, yeah, the yeah. Nintendo yeah brand you know, nowadays, like and my wife could speak more to this, but it's more about um, not having access to the you know because guys a game can now talk to each other, and we want to prevent the. 30-year-old creeper from saying, hey, how old are you? You know, so my wife's got to worry about that. So that's the system that we decided on to, to help eliminate that variable. Okay. Um, and then my daughter, Claire, we're getting her a new iPad Air because oh, cool. she wanted uh, she wanted a, a, a new camera. On her, her old iPad's kind of busted up, and she's into dance and gymnastics and stuff, and she can set that up and take videos herself of, of doing that kind of stuff and edit it and send it to her friends. So. Isn't that crazy that kids, like, is she, is she the older one or younger She's the one? older one. So how crazy is that? That at eleven years old, you can edit video, and then get it out to, it's nuts. and they make it so easy. It like yeah. it like does it for you. You know, so, so some of these it's so crazy smart intuitive apps that are built, especially with the Apple products. It's just nuts. They're all yeah. about making it easy. Well, yeah, the things that the things that these kids are able to do. I mean, I'm I'm like forty and I have to YouTube for for an hour to figure out how to do some cool thing in my video. But yeah, like, oh yeah, yeah, all the time. I you know it's. If you want to YouTube something, you can become an expert in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we grew up with the Dewey Decimal System and card catalogs. Nowadays, these kids can just go click, 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 click. Yeah. And poof, I'm an expert. You can, yeah, you can find. Well, I can, t- I can tell you, probably half of my business has been run because of YouTube. That's the <laughs> half of the decisions I make are from YouTube. I love it. I love that honesty. <laughs> All you BSs well, out there, pay attention. <laughs> well, well, yeah, even, I mean, even this podcast, I mean, it's like, Hey, I, I'm thinking to myself, I want to do a podcast, YouTube. What equipment do I need for a podcast? And then, boom, there's the Rodecaster Pro, and here's the headsets that we're using and, <laughs> and the, the 
editing software that I use. I mean, everything. It was, yeah, it's the technology stuff that they that people have is, it's not, is amazing. It's not sweet. We subscribe to it here. I, I think I told you before we did the interview, we subscribe to, like, the Apple ecosystem. Yeah. We drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Um, it, I'm just more efficient with it than, than I am with a PC. I run Windows on our Macs um, in a virtual environment. A lot of guys say you can't do it. Yeah, you can. You just got to find a way. Um, arguably, it runs Windows more efficiently and faster because all the components in here outside of the Intel chipset is made by Apple for Apple. Okay. Um, so they're they're just inherently better machines. We, we, we've got MacBook Pros in the office here from 2003. Still up and running. You can't say that about a $200 PC. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I drink the Kool-Aid with that stuff. So, so we're, we're big on tech. I'm a tech geek. I'm probably a little ahead of the curve for my I'll say you went group. over my head already just with that little... Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I geek around with it. I, I, you met our IT guy there that's doing camera work and stuff for us, and he's he's super stupid smart, but I like sitting next to him and geeking out and learning new <laughs> stuff, and, you know. Well, that's cool. All right, man. Well, I'm going to let you uh, you get back to it. Appreciate what you do for us, and thanks for the time. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you, man. Thanks, man. I'll Appreciate talk to you again it. soon. Sounds good.